It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. That's Schooner Fair right there, piping in Boat Talk. Boat Talk is our WERU's own call-in radio show for people contemplating things naval. It comes to you one once a month, every second Tuesday of the month at 10 o'clock with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. It's a uh, boating radio show where the, uh, the topic could come in any size vessel. And we have a special guest in here right now, Diver Ed. Diver Ed, captain of the Starfish Enterprise, is going to be talking with us in just a little bit. But we're going to do our usual thing and get to a few local topics first. Mike, uh, what do you have up? Alan, just slow down for a minute there, oh, buddy. Well, you didn't even catch the pun. You were busy reading the paper there. I, <laughs> I didn't catch the pun. No. So there was one. Yep. Okay, I'm glad to Bo- hear that. Boating, boating topics that come in any size vessel. Ah, all right, ah, yeah. yeah, all right, yeah. Snuck that one right by you. I, uh, you know, wouldn't have been comfortable unless there was a pun. So. Yeah, we're going to be talking about stealth here in a little bit later, too, in uh, cloaking devices and things like that, right? Yeah, well, we can talk about anything we want this morning. It's no big, uh, no big pressure on boat talk this morning, although, again, we do have a uh, guest... Uh, uh, Underwater superhero, the original underwater superhero, diver Ed Monet, and uh, uh, Edna as well uh, this morning. And it's a call-in show, too, so I'll I'll throw out the number for anybody who would like to write this one down. It's 1-866-625-9378. Two big dogs out in the big truck in the parking lot. They were just passing by on the way to dive off of Deer Isle this yep. morning. So we snagged them coming by. pretty hard, too. And coincidentally, we are having a uh, Boat Talk Cruise Redux. We usually have a springtime cruise, and we're having a fall cruise, too, this, yeah. this season. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, it's not on the usual vessel. We usually go out on the Sea Princess That's out right. of Northeast yeah. Harbor. Yeah. And this time, we've... Uh, we got a different gig, and it we involves Diver Ed's uh, <laughs> boat, the Starfish Enterprise. So we'll be talking about that, and we still have uh, places available. Uh, be su- Sunday afternoon, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, places available on the plaque too, but we'll get around to that also. Yep, plenty of time this morning. Um, uh, you know, a little boat talk. Uh, uh, a couple things to mention here. Uh, really like this one from the paper, uh, uh, middle of last August. Persistence pays off in Rockland boat launching, and the uh, name of the vessel is Persistence. And it was uh, um, some uh, 40-something years, I believe, in the making here. And what happened was uh, um, this was uh, just launched by Captain Jim Sharp at the uh, Sail, Power, and Steam Museum down there in the north end of Rockland. And we've been wanting to have Captain Jim Sharp as a guest here on Boat Talk for a long time. He has this uh, great museum down there in Rockland. And also, Jim was one of the original schooner fellows out of Camden. He owned has the schooner adventure forever. Been addicted to salt water for a long uh, time. Wrote a 
book, a wonderful book called A uh, Life Obsessed by Boats is uh, uh, Captain Jim Sharp, and he's in his 80s, and, and we'd like to have him as a guest on Boat Talk. We haven't quite got to it yet. I don't know yeah. why. but So anyway, uh, they've launched this friendship sloop, and uh, the story is that it was uh, started by a fella. Uh, excuse me, i got to adjust my glasses here. Started by a fella um, named uh, Carlton Simmons in Friendship about 1966, but uh, his wife got sick, and he had to just uh, lay her up. And then a uh, fellow was passing through Friendship, an Oregon fella, and he saw this boat sitting in, in Carlton's yard, and he bought it. And then he moved to Maine, and he kept it in his yard for 30 years. Uh-huh. And uh, Jim saw it, you know, sitting in the yard, and, and finally Jim bought it for the... Uh, for the museum, and over the uh, previous three years, volunteers have been showing up weekly and pitching in on on the boat and uh, putting it finally together. Mm-hmm. And not only did they finish off this uh, uh, wooden friendship sloop, they fiberglassed the outside of it for low maintenance, they said. <coughs> not against that. Some people made noises here this uh. morning. but uh, And they also had a uh, another boat. Uh, the Schooner Eagle was... Uh, uh, abandoned at Spruce Head Marine, and they got to take that apart and use parts of it to put in the new Friendship Sloop, which is now down to the uh, museum at uh, uh, North Rockland there, the Sail Power and Steam Museum. Uh-huh. Uh, Captain Jim Sharp. Captain Jim, yeah. Well, he's a pretty sharp fellow, but I would still be a little bit suspect about the keel. I'm sure he probably checked that out pretty thoroughly, though. Uh, so a boat that's been sitting outside for that long is... Uh, they don't. They don't get better sitting outside like that. We'd have to have. Uh, um, we'd have to have Giffy look at it, and I'm sure they've. Uh, like I say, uh, 48 years after the construction began, it's finally been launched. So, uh, the uh, friendship sloop persistence down to Rockland, and great again, name. you can stop into the Sail Power and Steam Museum down there. Yeah, that's in, a uh, great spot. North end of Rockland. Uh, yep. So we'll start with that one this morning. Okay. And. Uh, looking for something else, are you? Um, yeah, we have uh, uh, Edna here ready to tell us about a, a, a movie that's coming up. It sounds pretty interesting for people interested in oceans. Well, I don't know much about it, but it's coming to Real Pizza September 21st. Real Pizza is in downtown Real Bar Pizza Harbor. Real Pizza in Bar Harbor, yeah. yeah. It's our local cinema. We totally adore it. It's just a lot of fun. Um, they have a beautiful and inspiring film, which is free to the public, to anyone who is interested they're trying to get people focused on the environment and how we can protect our oceans so it's 80 minutes it's at 2 p.m on the 21st and it's a sierra club film series as part of a sierra club film series a new era in ocean stewardship so it sounds rather interesting when is it it's the 21st of september at two o'clock 21st okay i'll have to do yeah two o'clock two Two o'clock that's right in the middle of the day yeah it's a it's a voyage uh, to seaports and watersheds it's, across the okay, U.S. Okay, it's going to be a Sunday, I believe. My math Probably. is correct because the 14th is a Sunday. That's when they tend to do those kind of yep. special events. So a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. That'll work unless yeah. you're really addicted to football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to be in Canada, aren't I? Hmm. 21st? Yeah, it could be. I'm not sure. Oh, what a bummer. What are we doing down to Canada, Ed? Oh, we're doing a dive trip to Les Escoumins, which is... Uh, Four hours east of Quebec on the north side of the St. Lawrence. I was going to say that. sounded kind of French. Now, yeah. when I say down, I had expected Nova Scotia, <laughs> but you're going north. Yeah, we're going 
drift straight north from here. And be diving in the St. Lawrence. In the St. North side of the St. Lawrence, yeah. At the mouth of it where it's very saline. Uh, well, it's really saline where we are, but it's pr- still pretty far from the mouth. It's um, it's right near the Saguenay Fjord, <laughs> which we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Why uh, this particular area to go diving? Oh, who's who's going to be underwater? Uh, well, it's going to be myself, Captain Evil, Edna will be there diving. And um, we have some friends in Fredericton. They're going to meet us up there. Joe George from Kojo Diving and his wife, Connie. And then Jerry Shine, who's a, uh, another underwater superhero from Massachusetts. So we're all going up to do some unbelievable diving. We've been there before. We went there last year, too. It's it's uh, it's like like this place on steroids, and visibility is crazy. And, I mean, the whales just, uh, you know, right when you're diving, there's, you know, belugas and blue whales and everything all around everywhere. Blue it's just whales. crazy, yeah. Mm. That's unbelievable. We saw belugas, fins, blue whales, and blueies all in one day. Well, three days, but now um, I gotta I gotta just point this out, Ed. Your your job is diving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're going on vacation, and what do you go do, bud? I'm going diving. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. He just, just had to point it out in case yeah, nobody yeah, knows. People, that. people can't take the pressure, but he loves it. I like the pressure. Bring it on. <laughs> so anyway, we have Ed and Edna here this morning. They will be uh, hosting the uh, Boat Talk Cruise this this uh, weekend. On, on board the Starfish yes, Enterprise. On board, we'll get I to that what, in a little bit, too. Uh, here's a story on another boat. was in the paper this morning. Usually we miss what's in the paper this morning for Boat Talk, but uh, I've been following this. The uh, Nova Star is the new boat that has been going between uh, Portland and Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, the Yarmouth Ferry, so to speak, uh, one in a long stream, you know, and it's been underwritten by the United States and, and uh, Nova Scotia provincial government. Um, for instance, the provincial government of Nova Scotia guaranteed them $21 million over seven years, and they said, well, uh, that's nice. Could we have it all this year? And yes, they could, and they've already spent it. Um <laughs> Ridership oh, was uh, um, ridership was down uh, quite a bit, and they are going to cut their season by three weeks, lay the boat up. They hope to be back next season. Um, didn't read anything in here. Uh, the uh, besides the premier of Nova Scotia speaking to our governor uh, uh, Paula Page about uh, uh, you know trade in general, but. Um, I used to live down in Nova Scotia, and that ferry was very important to the trade of southwestern Nova Scotia, which, uh, as we were just saying here, is on a peninsula and not on a good road to New York or Boston uh, is, or, or yeah, Portland. It's at or the end place. of the road, that, yeah. that end. And, uh, you know, that ferry is, has always been a big part of, of uh, you know, their commerce. So, uh, you know, things change, and uh, but stuff they has sp- to flow somehow. They spent all their money in the first year, huh? That, that makes a financial fairy tale. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is the punny one. And again, uh, you know, uh, stuff has to flow somehow. And and um, I'm reminded of, of uh, some British guys. They hiked to uh, the South Pole back in the 70s. Their first fellas to uh, manhaul all their stuff to the South Pole at the time. And uh, the joke about these guys in, in the book they wrote was they didn't like each other and, and uh, squabbled the whole way. But... Um, they said one cool thing. They says, look, if you have to lug something and you've got to pick it up, you know, you can only take so much stuff. If you can drag it, you can bring more stuff. But if you can float it, bring everything, mm-hmm. you know. 
because um, you can carry a lot of stuff. So, again, ferry. That's how has, the Native uh, Americans got around here. Yeah, ferry, and, and again, uh, uh, those vessels are very important to uh, trade, you know, theirs and ours. So the Portland-Nova Scotia Ferry is uh, not performing according to expectations. New boat being laid up early for the summer. So yeah. Is that a high-speed ferry? No, it's a big old... Um, uh, you know, like the Blue Nose yep, style? Big yeah, old, big old Blue Nose, single wow. hull, uh, you know, large traditional ferry boat. Now, Ed, uh, we were just speaking of the uh, late, I lament the Cat Ferry. I deliver boats. I got to ride back and forth on the Cat a couple of times back to Maine. Very convenient. Uh, you were working as a harbor master over to Bar Harbor. You had a different view of the Cat, didn't you? Yeah, it was a pain in my butt, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and they came in and out. Quickly was what they advertised, but that was part of the pain that they caused, wasn't it? Well, they they figured their schedule from uh, dock to dock, and the speed of the boat, you know, run. So, uh, you know, there was some issues with them coming in, especially you know, wide open. For so, people who people who aren't boaters, we need to explain that when a boat comes in fast, it sends out what we call a wake, yeah, a large wave out behind it that splashes up against the shore or boats or whatever happens to be in right. the way of the, the wake. Right. And, you know, the funny thing is, a lot. you know, when you encounter, because the catamaran didn't actually make like a traditional wake, they just pushed a lot of water. So it was more like a swell than a chop, like when you think of a wake coming off of a boat like the chop. So if you encountered it at sea, you'd just kind of rise up and rise down. It wasn't even an issue. But, you know, and when by the time all that energy hit the shore, it was, uh, you know, not fun. A small <laughs> tidal wave, yeah, really. Exactly, yeah. yeah, it causes havoc uh, when it interfaces with the people, the boats, and the yeah, shore, the right, the right. docks, the dinghies, the even boats on moorings. So oh, yeah. you know, yeah. people you putting in the harbor. Everything. People on the launching ramp was uh, that was always an issue because it'd be flat calm at the launching ramp. People, somebody would blow their back the boat down. All of a sudden, this giant swell would come up and boat would smash up against the pier or whatever, and yeah. you know. You told me something I didn't realize, that there was millions of dollars worth of damage caused by their wakes. Yeah, over the time, over time yeah. Hmm. It, was a, it was a hard situation, but that's why I'm not Harbor Master anymore. Hmm. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. just get to go play every day now. It's definitely a rock and a hard place yeah. job. Yeah. And again, one of a parade of, of uh, Nova Scotia main ferries, uh, uh, you know, going back to the Prince of Fun Day, I believe was the original one, going out of Portland in the 70s. And the cat was a high-speed catamaran ferry uh, built down in Tasmania, and uh, ran back and forth in uh, what a couple of hours. It was it was a good ride, and uh, oh, I enjoyed riding it. Yeah, I, I, it was a pretty good ride. And uh, uh, Nova Scotia fisherman was killed by it. Got run over uh, by the boat. Uh, his his fishing boat went under the two hulls and. And we used to work down uh, by the College of the Atlantic in Bar Harbor and, and watch the boat turn around at its pier there and, and get the view we called the Tunnel of Death, you know, looking between the two hulls <laughs> yeah, that's right. coming at you. And, and uh, again, uh, a predatory-looking uh, bug, but a pretty cool boat. Yeah. Um, this That version of the ferry went Yarmouth to Bar Harbor. Um, you know, uh, otherwise they go Yarmouth to Portland, and that's what this ferry, uh, the Nova Star, which is, again, uh, you know, Ain't quite making it, and they ascribe that to not enough uh, uh, bus tours and such. They didn't huh. talk about the uh, well, uh, still early. truck trade or anything. Well, you know, when the bus tours uh, come, ain't going the, yeah, on this ferry really anymore. Papers. So it's done for the season, is what we're saying. Oh, it's already done. It's over. Uh, they're packing it up three weeks early. Yes. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So, 
again, uh, part of trade, though, is, is what we're saying. And, and we like things to travel by water. Yeah. Um, well, the blue nose used to go year-round. I mean, uh, I wonder, you know, if, if we needed the commodities back and forth. It used to be, when I, when, well, 40 years ago, it used to be a main truck route for uh, people taking stuff to Nova Scotia yeah. would go across on, trucks would go across on the Blue Nose. Oh, yeah. I can remember when the Blue Nose was unloading, you couldn't get pulled out onto, yeah. or onto Eden Street. Truck. There was so many tractor trailers coming off of there. And the other thing people don't uh, appreciate too much is, is that uh, a lot of our lobster has always been processed over there, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's got to get there somehow, too. I so. would think the uh, if the east-west highway ever happens, it would just totally kill any ferry service. Don't know about that. Just a guess. Just a guess. And again, uh, well, that would provoke an argument we might not be having on Boat Talk <laughs> this morning. So we are doing Boat Talk this morning. And ahoy uh, there, we're having a Boat Talk cruise this weekend. We got Captain uh, Diver Ed and Captain uh, Evil Edna. Is that what he called you? Captain Evil, yes. Evil Captain Edna. Evil. Yeah. All right. I get your respect on the, uh, uh, on the superhero the needs some, something to strive against, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I'm the wife. I just got elected. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll get to that in, in a couple minutes. But we are doing Boat Talk this morning, and the uh, phone number, give us a call if there's anything on your mind. It's the end of the season is another thing we're going to talk about uh, this morning. But Yeah, putting putting your boat away or taking it south, either one. Yeah, just been studying, putting boats away. I've been putting them away pretty hard, which kind of makes me sad, but it was an awful good summer boating-wise, and, and the weather has just been tremendous. Uh, this morning, the air is so clear. It's you know? unbelievable. This yeah. is my kind of weather. It's yeah, fantastic. it's just gorgeous. Out. One of the weather-related things about putting boat away is when you got good weather, it's a good chance to start building up your varnish for next year. That's what we've been doing, and, and honestly, Honestly, uh, folks, it's a good thing you were passing by to go diving down to Deer Isle this morning because um, uh, my best summer guy just left this Sunday, and before he left, we were trying to get varnish back on that boat, and we went down to Bear Wood uh, early last week, and uh, there's rain clouds in the forecast, Mm -hmm. and then hot, muggy weather and high winds. You can't just varnish outside like that. But, uh, yes, we did, and I got her done. But did I think about boat talk? I called up Alan, uh, what, Sunday night, and says, Alan, uh, I see Tuesday is a radio show. What are we going to do? You've done it. And so anyway, here we are, Boat Talk. Uh, give us a call this morning, 1-866-623-625. Boy, I'm surprised we don't have that tattooed on our wrist by 9378 now. 9378 is the telephone number here 1-866-625-9378. this morning. 1-866-625-9378. Anything, yeah. Bodie, will work. We got to uh, uh, run one more thing up the flagpole this morning, and, uh, you know, then we could uh, just talk to these people unless anybody else wants to talk about anything. But I was reading the Wooden Boat magazine the other night, picked up the uh, July-August issue 2014, uh, one issue back now at the library, and here is an article about a traditional shipwright from down in Rhode Island, a modern traditional boat builder, the long and innovative career of Louis Sauzed. And uh, Louis, also interestingly enough, is making a series of um, videos for Wooden Boat magazine. They're producing those right now. They're going to be up on the Wooden Boat uh, website very soon for uh, Wooden Boat subscribers. And he is apparently quite comfortable in front of a video camera. And uh, he likes camera. Camera likes him. And, uh, again, he's not shy about sharing his secrets. So you want to look for this on the uh, Wooden Boat 
uh, website coming up. Uh, Rich Hilsinger hmm. just tells me they're not quite there yet. But Lewis saw this article about him in the Wooden Boat magazine here. Uh, if nothing else, uh, it says he will shortly tell you how good he is. He's quick and he's innovative. He does stuff his own way. He's got his own methods. And uh, this little paragraph here uh, just absolutely blew me away, but I don't, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with it. it. says, although he does not claim to have invented the concept, Sazed is also the go-to guy for plastic framing in traditional wooden boats. Plastic framing in traditional wooden boats, whether in new construction, repair, or restoration. He knew a lobsterman who had sistered some frames with plastic, and that gave him the idea to frame entire boats this way. He uses high-density polyethylene sourced directly from plastic manufacturers, and his frames are proven flexible and unbreakable. They hold screws well and require no paint or finish, and most important, are 100% impervious to rot. I've been subjected to a tremendous amount of ridicule over the plastic frames, but some of the people who have ridiculed me, he says, have uh, started since doing it themselves. <laughs> And again, plastic, polyethylene, high-density frames in wooden boat, uh, repair, restoration, and construction, yeah, and I, it I, makes sense to me. It does to me, too. I, I have actually worked with it, not making frames, though. I didn't ever think of that, but um, I have worked with it, and it does hold screws well. doesn't rot. Um, it, it's uh, the same plastic that you used to make milk jugs, a, the, a number two recycle number, HDPE. And again, if you drill that out right, it will hold on to a fastener very ferociously. It does. And you bend it, um, you know. That's just the opposite of our boat. We have a wooden frame with a fiberglass hull. <laughs> so there you go. You have wooden frames in your boat. It wasn't yeah, made in Yeah, pressure-treated wooden frame. Yeah, the deck is all... Oh, the uh, deck. Yeah, it's all okay. framed up. With, I mean, okay. it's, and it's all... And, of course, the frames are... The, like the stringers and stuff are all wood. We just glassed them in place. So when yeah. your boat was built, it came out of the hull, and then... Um, the the fiberglass, yeah, the mold. They put the deck frames in first and then built plywood over that. and deck Yeah, we, we put the stringers in first, then we put in the all the bulkheads, and we did the deck framing. But the bulkheads, of course, are plywood and glassed over, and then the stringers are all... Uh, uh, two by eights or tens, and then on our boat, because uh, we built it to go offshore, we had to run the stringers right up the side of the hull, so they flare off up for a side impact too, which is uh, huh. you know yep. at H and H they had never seen sense. anyone do it like that, but yeah, that's a way. Use pressure treated wood right from the lumber yard for the for the floor framing, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. well, yeah, you had to pick it over to find some stuff that wasn't so knotty. Oh yeah, we we got all good stuff. But, yeah, man, we got that, that tends to be pretty naughty yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, I didn't want to, but yeah. our architect insisted on it. Huh. Now, <laughs> Ed, what you're talking about is finishing the inside of a of a fiberglass hull uh, made in a mold. What what this guy's talking about is traditional frame boats like right. brigantine schooners. I mean, big heavy wooden ships. Yeah, and again, plastic frames. You can mold them any size you want to. I would suppose. Because some of the frames in these ships are, are uh, you know, uh, uh, quite the timbers when you get right down to them. Can't imagine that's in inexpensive at all. Holy no, uh, stuff probably not cheap. But again, uh, plastic frames in wooden. Uh, we need. Uh, we're gonna chase this down a little bit more. Yeah, maybe we're gonna even, have to. Uh, uh, and again, hard to argue against. Now, uh, and Alan and I were speaking of it the other day. Uh, I went right to 
plastic rub rails on boats. Right. You know, you want to put a rub rail on your boat, you can go to to the uh, marine supply store and get a nice hunk of plastic. Bends really good, takes fasteners great. Um, it's really good to run into the pier and other boats with and stuff like that. It leaves black marks on other boats. Yeah, or you could go, um, oh, get a piece of teak. Okay, it's $60 a board foot. A board foot is one square foot, 60. an inch thick, okay? <laughs> Try and imagine what your teak rail costs for your, for your uh, you know, 40-foot uh, boat uh, mm-hmm. this year. Or uh, go get a piece of oak. Um, Never you know, mind the maintenance. Douglas fir, a piece of wood that, again, uh, you know, uh, you're going to have to scar. And, again, go get a piece of plastic. And it's hard to argue against that on a wooden boat or not. It's really, it really is. And done well. Um, Again, they last forever, impervious to rot, uh, you know, bounce good, uh, um, you know. So, uh, anybody got any thoughts on that this morning? That blew me away, the wooden framing of traditional wooden, I mean, plastic framing of traditional wooden yeah. vessels. I, I'm, I, I was thinking of smaller vessels for, for like a repair frame or something like that, but I was thinking you, you can buy the sheets of like quarter-inch stuff pretty commonly and just rip it on your saw and laminating it. Uh, and making a laminated one, you wouldn't even have to heat it up. It would just right. bend the pieces in there and then screw through so it's all held together. Huh. And I would uh. put that together with some uh, aggressive bedding compounds, some uh, Sikaflex, some 5200, some polyurethane. Well, uh, Sikaflex, you know, stick it all together that too. Would stick to HDPE. I think it takes a, some sort of special glue. I, I've I've used it for good uh, point. to yeah. make a mold, and you know it's a great release thing for a mold. Yeah, so. good point. I like to stick everything together. I glue and screw everything yeah, inside. Yeah, I can understand you know? that. We, I think you'd have to do a little research and find the right kind of glue for this. this. That's the stuff they make tanks out of, too. And when they make the tanks, they're welded together. They're not glued. Um, speaking yeah, that's of, right. They're welded plastic tanks, right? Speaking of the uh, you know aggressive bedding compounds, again, I like to think if the old fellas had had that stuff, if, uh, you know, the Wizard of Bristol, uh, Mr. Harishoff there, had had Sikaflex and... and uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, West System Epoxy. I like to think he would have used the stuff. He'd, and, and He'd still be going now. Yeah, yep. I would like to think that. So, uh, <laughs> again, uh, why not the modern stuff with the uh, traditional vessels, uh, plastic frames and wooden mm-hmm. boats? Read about it in Wooden Boat Magazine. Well, they used to use wooden nails, and then somebody started using metal, so, you know, progress happens. Well, um, I believe they have uh, plastic spikes nowadays, too, they, don't they? They do. You yeah. can. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight to get you into boat talk here on WERU. Not a big agenda, and again, uh, end of the season. Uh, just been uh, putting the boats away for the for the year, and my big thing is to put it away clean and shiny, and then in the springtime. When you pull it out and you want to want to get at it, you can clean and shiny a little bit right. more, and then just start to using it instead of going. How are we going to scrub this off? Yeah, it's pretty you know? easy to put stuff off until uh, till next spring. Oh, I'll take care of that in the spring, but boy, I'll tell you, the less work you have to do in the spring, the happier you'll be. Yeah, um, you look at the bottom and you go, well, look at that science project uh, growing uh, the slimy uh, uh, stuff on the bottom, but you got to scrub it off now. Okay, you got to scrub the inside and the outside of the boat. Uh, put a put a coat of paint on it. A wooden boat, especially, um, doesn't hurt to seal the bottom. Um, I like to sometimes paint on uh, a wooden boat that's just come out. Now think about it; it's as good as it's going to get. It's all swelled up. It's perfectly floatable. It hasn't shrank, and it's going to shrink over the, over the winter storage. And in the springtime, we're going to have to soak it and get it to swell up again. 
And as it shrinks and swells, it goes creak, you know, and the fasteners go, I don't want to go over there, you know, and then you have to refasten it, and it's not good. So um, think about uh, uh, cleaning it off and then painting it the outside with a, a combination of uh, linseed oil and turpentine, uh, three to one maybe. Uh, three parts linseed oil and a, a moisture barrier that you, and you can just paint over in the springtime your bottom paint again. Yeah, just yeah, little storage ideas and and uh, don't store it in a heated basement if it's a wooden boat. That's yeah. bad for them. Anyway, yeah. did the phone ring? Keeping moist. Uh, no, I don't believe the phone no. has rung. But we can uh, talk about the uh, boat background to our boat truck cruise. I think that'd probably be appropriate to uh, explain the the situation. That um, we discovered that uh, in 1998, ni the Maine Geological Survey uh, reclassified Somes Sound as no longer a fjord. They downclassed it to a fjord because of the uh, criteria that uh, doesn't have a depth enough to have anoxic sediment in the bottom. Mike, you're a biologist. You know what anoxic means. It, means mud that doesn't have any oxygen in it, which is an indicator of, of a dead zone. I know what fjord means, okay, yeah. and I've always been proud of that one. Yeah. You know, I captained a boat for a long time, went in and out of that fjord, uh, you know, uh, coming and going every yeah. time. And They say it's not a fjord anymore. And you again, was else. pretty proud of that fjord being the only one on the East Coast there like that. And uh, I would also have to say that fjords is all about uh, geological, uh, you know, the geological uh, pace of time now, 1988. Where, who would they get to say about what? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, right. come on. They just come along, Johnny, come lately's and huh, no. downgrade a, a bit of long-term geology like that? They have no right. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to rectify that. But we have a phone call, so let's, uh, let's go to that and uh, see what's up. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Jim over in Burnham. Hi, Jim. Morning, Jim. How are you this morning? Oh, pretty darn good, except I'm hearing things on the radio that ain't true. So, uh, you know, you got to question this stuff. <laughs> on boat talk? <laughs> well, I didn't mention your guys' names, but uh, specifically it was you. So, uh, yeah, when you said teak is 60 bucks a foot, uh, it's like, well, that ain't so. And I just called Maine Coast Lumber, and they sell it for just under 30 which is still outrageous compared to, you know, the 4 bucks or something when I started woodworking. Um, I just bought some that was, uh, and mind you, I needed it quickly. Yeah. And, uh, yes, I did pay a very premium price. Ah. Yeah. He was wearing red pants at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, no, but still precious. And, again, uh, uh, you know, you want to put a teak rail or a plastic rail on the boat, we price both of them. And then the ease of, uh, you know, assembly and application, uh, just saying it's hard to argue against the plastic over the best premium material you can buy. Uh, and one other thing, I just, uh, well, three or four years ago, read a book called River Horse. Uh, I know the author had also written Blue Highway, I think. It is. can't remember his last uh, name. William Leastheat Moon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in River Horse, he claims that Maine's east coast has two fjords, Somes Sound and the Hudson River huh. inland, huh. Uh, which I thought was crazy at the time, but... If you guys feel like, you know, if you're running out of stuff to do, you can argue that one over. <laughs> um. But uh, enjoy what's left of the season. Have fun on the on the cruise. Yeah. Well, All thank right. you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Never been up the Hudson. No people that have. Uh, I, I, I haven't uh, been up it. I've seen it. It does have palisades on the sides of it there. Yeah. So you could, uh, you might be able to do that argument. Uh, yeah. 
So anyway, um, back to uh, Somme Sound Fjord, the, uh, the lack of anoxic sediments means that what you and I would call it doesn't have a dead zone in it. So oh, I am more going by it's a um, um, you know glacial uh, formation yeah, uh, ground with water and you can't change it. I don't care what kind of mud we got on the bottom; it's still a fjord. You <laughs> well, know? according to the geologist, yes, it, uh, I guess uh, somewhere there is a, a worldwide fjord criteria committee. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, not so going anyway. to change the way I tell my stories, Alan. All no, right? uh, well, we're going to make we're going to give it a, a dead zone, so that that argument will no longer be valid. And again, Alan is the punny one here, so we've taken a, a geological uh, a controversy and uh, you know uh, put a pun put a pun twist on it, haven't you? Making it a bit absurd, yes. But the as you say, geologically speaking, a bit absurd is uh, if we keep on treating our oceans the way we are now, some sound probably will have a dead zone sometime in the future. So this is just a temporary situation. That's in the paper again this morning too about uh, yeah ocean evaluations and of course the state of the oceans. I mean, is look not at the whole Gulf of Mexico would, now as anybody would a dead hope zone. in general. And we talked about uh, uh, talking about that on Boat Talk and then decided that was pretty depressing is, is yep. what we decided. Yeah, so and we're going to go to the yeah. opposite. We're going to try to keep it exciting by, yeah. uh, by creating a dead zone where we're having a, a, a freshwater stone just down the road here in East Orland is going to make a, a stone plaque, and the top of the plaque is going to have engraved into it the, uh, the lines, Long Live the Grateful Dead. And then... <laughs> going to throw that overboard and where that lands in the bottom of Sound Sound, that will make it a dead zone, uh, an honorary dead zone. And there so, wasn't one, so that was bad. Now there is one, and, and it can be a fjord now. Now it can be a fjord because it has a dead zone now. Yeah, or, well, on next Sunday when we actually throw the stone over. Good enough for me. Now, uh, when is the cruise leaving where? The, the cruise is going to leave from Northeast Harbor at one thirty in the afternoon next Sunday, Sunday, September 14th. Or on Starfish Enterprise, and we'll be talking about Starfish Enterprise in a minute. But also on this plaque, um, we're, uh, we have spaces available for people who would like to be part of this uh, rectification of history. And we already have 10 spaces sold on, on this plaque. Sold? I knew that was going to cost money. And $50 to have your, your name. For, oh, and worth every penny. Yes. Well, it's it's forever, isn't it? You know, yeah. I guess so. Per, uh, forever, for the uh, lack of, of uh, oxidation down there, I guess it's not. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, um, and one of, the, one of the names I thought was particularly interesting, um, Frank and Diane, when they got married, uh, Diane had Norwegian ancestry, and so Frank told her as part of the wedding proposal that he would promise to her, he would take her to a fjord. So they're going to be coming on the cruise as part of this to, to fulfill that promise. Just because we have now made it officially a fjord, save, save the freight on getting the bride over to they're also, Scandinavia. Uh, uh, have bought a, a space on the stone and have it dedicated to Diane's uh, grandfather whose name is, uh, he's Norwegian, and his name is Asta Otterson Dor. And turns out that he is uh, related to the Dor of Dor Mountains. People who know Mount Desert Island, um, there is one of the mountains in Acadia National Park named Dor Mountain. So uh, is uh, that fellow on the plaque 
Um, there's the plaque. Uh, is, Up the sound. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, isn't isn't I've I've touched it and read it so many times I ought to be able to recite it to you, but I can't. But, yeah, uh, I can't either. I think that could be his family on the plaque there. Right. There's a plaque that you can back a boat right up to mm -hmm. on a cliff and yeah. and uh, some sound and again. Uh, so we will not only be just tossing stuff overboard and into some sound trying to fill it up. Uh, you know, arguably uh, they don't want you taking rocks out of out of. Uh, Acadia National Park now, Alan, and here you are throwing one in. Yeah, well, we have to be careful because it does have to be stone. You know, when you throw overboard, it can't be a plastic plaque or I a wooden plaque. I'm going to say, like yeah. just, you know. And again, we will uh, be cruising on the Starfish Enterprise, and uh, it'll be a beautiful Sunday afternoon, whether or not it's. Uh, tell us. Uh, about the Starfish Enterprise, you you uh, you can see a picture of it at the boattalk.org website too. Yeah. If you're, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, you guys uh, commissioned and built this vessel. Um, got a got yourself fiberglass hull and did a lot of work putting it together. I would understand now. What kind of hull did we get? And uh, tell well, us we, about, we, tell us about the vessel. Well, there. we lost our old boat, the Seal, in uh, Thanksgiving, to oh, 2008. Yes. And so at that point, uh, lost her how? Uh, well, 85 mile an hour windstorm washed her up on the Bar box. Island, and uh, oh, it must have been hard to watch. Yeah, well, <laughs> wood boats <laughs> and uh, and rocks don't go well together. But uh, anyhow, um, at that point, we weren't quite sure if we were going to have enough money or time or anything to rebuild, and you know whether it was going to be worth it for us because we still weren't doing very well with the dive-in theater yet, and uh, even though everyone thought we were. But um, but the community came together, helped us raise some funds, and, uh, of course, we lost our Thanksgiving, and that year, scallop season started on the 1st of December. So we had a real short period of time to chainsaw the thing up, tow it over to the bar and smash it up, bring it to the dump, and then get scallop in to start making some money again. And so... Um, you were diving for scallops from another boat? Yeah, from yep. Mo yeah, Mother Steve Strode's boat. Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah, the Atlanta Jane. Well, actually, that was the Atlanta Jane. Atlanta Jane then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyhow, um, so uh, we had a little bit of time while I was scalloping to kind of think about well, how we're gonna survive this whole thing. And actually, you got uh, the first fundraiser they did in Town Hill for us. Um, I had to come in early, and we went every day because uh, at that time we had a split season and. Um, and so we had to go, we, we went every single day, even if it was blowing 45 or 50, we didn't care. We still went out every day. And uh, we had to come in early for this fundraiser. So I decided to do some experimental dives and really deep stuff. And unfortunately, I ended up getting bent that day. And um, and, and Mother had to send, send me back in the water again to recompress. And so uh, I ended up being late for our first fundraiser, <laughs> which was really bad. But uh, anyhow, we um, we decided to rebuild. We used uh, uh, Steve Hudson was our naval architect that helped us design the hull and uh, design the, uh, you know, do all the design to make it a Coast Guard vessel. But we used a 47 H&H hull. So we had it laid up in Stuben. And then we finished it ourselves. So uh, it was a 47. We lengthened it out to 51. So it was 51 by 19.2 is the it's know, a good official size boat. Yeah, 51.2 by 19. And again, uh, Ed, you mentioned the uh, dive-in theater. You run it as a, a tour boat out of Bar Harbor in the, in the summertime. Correct. Um, how many passengers can you take on that? 51-foot boat? Well, we we limit it to 69 passengers. We have a seating 
uh, like regular seating for 70 people, but we have to block off one seat where Captain Evil works tending me, you know, when I'm overboard. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, but with our, the way we're set up right now, we're certified for 90, but we did uh, our, our stability test was for 136 plus three offshore. So unlimited offshore, but the, um, uh, and that was only because we ran out of water to put in barrels to <laughs> fill it up. We could have got our 149 if we had more barrels, but uh, but anyhow, the uh, you know the, it's an extremely stable boat. It's 70,000 pounds, and uh, it's super thick hull and, and really comfortable to be in. So um, the uh, um, thing I was getting at was uh, you know we're talking about a, a, a dive tour boat here, but. Ed, you you're basically you're a fisherman at heart, aren't you? Oh yeah, I grew up lobstering. Yeah, and um, you know I've been scallop diving since '84, and uh, you know I've spent my whole life you know harvesting things off from the sea. But and again, we like to ask uh, people uh, the boat talk question: What messed you up about boats when you were a kid? Works for rock stars? How come you grew up to be a you know a guitar player? Uh, you know uh, or you know, how did you grow up to be a fish head? You know, what happened to you? Well, I uh, when I was a kid, I used to. This is off of Massachusetts. I used to spear flounder when I was just. I just loved going down to the beach, and you know, I was just a little kid. I didn't have anything to do. And then um, when my mom met my stepfather when I was twelve, he was a lobster fisherman, and uh, and so I went with him every day. And then he finally gave me my own boat, and then. Uh, you know, we fished together for a long time, and then I started fishing on my own. Then I took over the family business, and uh, but I had some issues back in Massachusetts, so I decided to move up to Maine and get away from it and go to college at COA and stuff. But uh, anyhow, um, uh, yeah, I and I just fell in love with it. I mean, literally came to Bar Harbor and I, stuck. Yeah, that's uh, happened. Yeah, yeah oh, I got lucky. Nice. Gary Parsons uh, let me on. And, you know, being a transplant, it was hard to get a job fishing, but Gary was really good to me, and uh, and I worked with Timmy's crew and stuff, and, you know, when we had a lot of ground fish boats around and stuff, and before you know it, I was just, and there wasn't, and I was commercial, I started commercial diving when I was 16, so when I moved up here, there wasn't anyone really doing any commercial work, so I got, you know, all the regular stuff plus all the big boats out of portland and rockland and eastport and stuff and so i got a lot of work that way too diving on the big ground but boats. um you know back in uh a few years back uh you know uh, 20 30 plus years back there used to be a good scallop fisher uh diving fishery every winter oh yeah which is kind of not as not as uh thriving as it, as it used to be i wouldn't think not uh for the divers anyway the urchins Came on hard for a while. I bet you do do a few urchins. I did dive urchins, dive yeah. sea cucumbers, uh, whelks, periwinkles, uh, anything sand dollars. for a buck that oh. can be picked up off oh, the yeah. bottom of the ocean. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I used to. Uh, yeah, you got whatever. live sand dollars? Yeah, collect them for you know the home of the sand dollar. Remember that down where the Y is now, the YMC, that oh, little so shack. You, you just collect them and what, throw them in bleach or something. And no, I just put them in a five-gallon bucket and drop them up, drop them off on his porch. You'd give me twenty bucks. Uh, <laughs> huh. twenty bucks for a bucket of sand dollars. Wow. Yeah, and I'm thinking uh, out of sight is out of mind underwater. I was just talking to a fellow who works. Uh, he's a geologist, you know, does wells and and. Uh, 
uh, he works underground, and I was saying, well, you know, I just dropped something in the harbor, and, and to me it was like gone, you know, but underground, such mu so much more of a mystery, but you can go underwater and look at stuff, and uh, people do use the water as a big garbage can. Yeah, it's uh, so unfortunate. Out, out of water, out, yeah. you know, out of, out of, gone, out of sight, so... Uh, um, what kind of what kind of unusual things we find underwater, Ed? Um, sex toys I found. Uh, you came up with an interesting uh, statue. Once. Yeah, yeah, cast bronze bust of Proctor from Procter and Gamble. Uh, <laughs> How did we? That was it labeled? How did we know? No, no, it was an art. I gave it to uh, uh, Raymond Strout, and he did all the research for me. But it's, of course, it's got a, a, a signature from the artist on it and stuff. Huh. So. I still have that. It's really Somebody cool. Somebody cast it overboard. <laughs> Actually, in our new house, we're building a artifact wall in our house. It's just all, because I've got literally my old house, <laughs> the basement was filled right to the gills full of stuff I've found underwater. And and actually, some of it was on display in Northeast Harbor at the um, at the Maritime Museum Great there. Museum. Yeah, they had they things that won't make. You started with sex toys. Things that won't be. Pe <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't. Watch they, you, she, you yeah, mean. She, she didn't want this. Uh, yeah. This uh -huh. But uh, uh, they had one uh, an old toilet I found, and uh, I can't remember all the stuff. I just had it. They gave her a pile of stuff, and she put it on display. She wanted different things than I thought. I had, you know, all these really old, pretty bottles and things like that. She didn't want any. She wanted the most gnarly looking thing. So, uh, uh -huh. yeah. She got cool. him. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about, uh, to me, um, I, last time I was underwater, I almost died. I don't know uh, uh, officially how to scuba dive. I borrowed a rig. I used to dive my own mooring for a few years. Mm -hmm. And one time I had trouble with the buoyancy compensator. And while I was messing with that, I forgot to stand up, which was how I saved myself because I was, you know. Um, <laughs> So I don't like an underwater ad. I yeah. I try to spend my uh, career not not falling in the water. What do you like about being under the water? Oh man, I just told you, I love you know. To me, like um, being underwater. Can you just imagine if you just walk outside the door of this office and there was just like tons of animals all around you doing all kinds of things, and uh, it's really different on land. Like you go underwater and you're just completely surrounded by activity and life and there's so much going on not only that but uh i have this like thing in my head where i just want to be able to, like when i look at the surface of the water i i want to be able to fill in that piece of the puzzle like what what you know instead of just seeing the surface of the water i want to be able to see what the bottom is like too but it's everything it's being weightless it's i mean i just i don't even know how to explain it i love that moment from when i go from land as soon as i hit the water and start my descent i'm like in a whole another place i just love it it's unbelievable it's a 3d environment 3d it's totally three-dimensional it's totally you never know what's going to happen it's really exciting exhilarating and uh you know i love every aspect of it i have friends that only do certain types of diving you know, and uh, for me, I like it all. Actually, like we're going snorkeling today. We're not even. I have people that won't even use. I know people won't even use a snorkel. They think it's stupid or whatever. But <laughs> I like floating around on the surface. I like diving down. I like scuba yeah. diving. I like deep dives. Well, the, like, the Japanese pearl divers didn't use snorkels, and they went. Oh yeah, pretty deep. Yeah, but oh, yeah, um, the divers. Yeah. Um, I want to change the subject for a minute, if we can. Go I've ahead. never seen a stability test, and I guess you you did with your boat. Can you briefly explain how they do stability tests? Sure. What they do is um, 
with the boat rigged up the way it's going to be for for your activity. Your boat is floating in the water. And floating in the water, right? They they have a calculation where they figure out the windage of the vessels. So basically, if you were to put canvas down on every part of the boat so that the wind and um, so they figure that in. But basically, what you do is you uh, when the boat's sitting in the water, uh, you have halfway between the deck and the water line that you can heel over. And so you fill up water barrels on the boat. On one side of the boat. Oh, well, first you do it on the flat. Okay. Okay, so the boat's sitting in the water with all that weight. So if you want 136 people, you fill up all the barrels, the boat sets in the water, they take a mark. Okay. Then they figure out that distance to the deck. And then they move. Then you take those water barrels and you move them not just to one side, but at seat height, too, so it's elevated up. Oh, okay. Yeah, so as if everyone was standing on the bench or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they measure, take another measurement. You're only allowed to go an inch over, I mean, uh, halfway over on that. Huh. But, uh, it's yeah. interesting. We have another phone call, so let's go right to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi there. Uh, this is Rebecca calling from Hancock. Good morning, Rebecca. I have a question for Ed. Always wanted to ask him. Uh, what What would you recommend for someone like me who wants to learn how to scuba dive, I snorkel, and um, I've always wanted to do it, and I'm getting really motivated to do it. Where would I start? Who would I call? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Okay. Uh, the Unfortunately, we're not doing it anymore. Uh, we used to, of course, teach for years and years, but uh, uh, for a whole mess of reasons, financial reasons, and uh, the pool schedule at the Y and things like that. So um, uh, there is a dive shop in Dedham that uh, on your way to Bangor there, right on the right-hand side, that well, they offer classes there. And I believe there's an instructor at uh, Umaine Machias, too. You could get a hold of him but the first thing you need to do is an open water class so the open water class will get you get your skin diving skills and your scuba diving skills basic scuba skills to 60 feet of water okay great well i'll call those two locations thank you all right good luck thanks rebecca what is it that's attracting you underwater where people can't naturally breathe you know I think we lost her. Is she her. still there? No, no, we lost her. Again, it was a claustrophobic, uh, mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, not a natural environment. Uh, I've decided to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm best on top. I had, I, I'm fairly comfortable underwater, but I had one weird experience, and it was a practical joke, but it was pretty scary. Uh, scuba diving, or not scuba, uh, just uh, free diving underwater uh, in a pool, and somebody turned out the lights. It was totally black. Mm. And how disorienting. Have you been underwater in total blackness? It's totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't know which way work is up. Blackness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, when we salvaged the uh, tubby, Bobby Collier's barge, uh, a lot of that work we did in the pitch black dark because we had to do it between storms. She sunk one storm, and then we had another storm coming. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I actually love being in the dark a lot of the work i do actually shut my eyes because uh even if you're not even if it's not dark out you're working in zero visibility and when your eyes are open your brain is trying to form a picture and it messes you up so if you shut your eyes you can 100 percent concentrate we're coming up against the uh, end of the show and we have one more phone call so let's (laughs) quickly we have two phone calls okay let's go to that first one good morning welcome to boat talk 
John Daly uh, down by the Sullivan Hancock Bridge. Uh, Hi, John. Driving, uh, good people. Good to go. You hear that? Oh, say it again, please, John. John, John Daly teaches diving. Oh. for a long time. He's, his place is down by the galley at the Sullivan side of the Hancock Bridge. So it's a 422 number. Yep, yep. John Daly. Okay, thank John you. John Daly. He's a, he's a school teacher and a diving teacher and uh, good people down there. Very good. Uh, I wonder, I think that must be the guy that teaches at Yume Machias, too, though. Probably very well could be, yeah. Yeah, right. Very good. Thank you for yeah, that call. You. We'll go to that second call now. Good morning. Oh, second call gave up. And down East Main, you only need to talk to a person or two to get connected to about everybody. Oh, yeah. And you can talk to us directly this morning. We've still got a few minutes on Boat Talk here this morning. one 625 9378 We got diver Ed Monet and Captain Evil Edna in here this morning. They will be hosting the Boat Talk Cruise this Sunday on the uh, Starfish Enterprise. We didn't give the uh, number to buy tickets for that. Out of Northeast Harbor. Uh, You call Chris in the office here, uh, 469-6600. To get tickets or to sign up for a space uh, on the uh, the plaque to have your name forever engraved in changing the history of Soam Sound. Now, I run up against uh, people touristing all the time, and I have sent more than a couple of them over to uh, uh, your boat to uh, take a cruise because I tell everybody they have to go out on the water. And, That's the first thing And on my I list, say, yeah. if you're going to go on the water, you might as well combine underwater, too. Go over to Bar Harbor, <laughs> check out uh, Diver Ed. Now, what do you do exactly, Ed, when you get a tourist full of boat, uh, <laughs> a boat full of tourists? Believe me, I hate that question because uh, it's so much more difficult than just to say, well, we go kayaking or whale watching or whatever. But anyhow, basically, um, uh, while the boat's at anchor, I go underwater with a high-definition camera. We have live feed to a giant television on board, and then um, uh, and it's people can see live what I'm doing underwater. Captain Evil explains to them what they're seeing. She's also tending me while I'm down there. So you show and them it, the bottom of the boat yeah, propeller I, and all that stuff. Yeah, too. right. Are you and tethered I, or wireless? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have 300 feet of cable. Yeah. And I also collect sea creatures while I'm down there, too. So then we bring them up. We do a hands-on show-and-tell. And, tell. and uh, at that point, that's why we're, we're, we've, we shut down on Labor Day weekend because it's a family cruise, really, for kids and stuff. But we bring all the kids up front. And while I'm talking about the sea creatures, and every scallop will squirt at them, or a sea cucumber will squirt water out of its butt, or something like that. And uh, the kids all go crazy. But anyhow, we do a hands-on show and tell, and then when we're done. We put everything back into the sea. The dive-in theater. We yep. got the big screen TV. We got the underwater superhero with the with the. Uh, uh, Camera down there. We got uh, Captain Evil, who doesn't look evil at all, really. Right. But you know, I yeah, um, pretty good gig. How's business been? Been great. Summer. This summer was totally awesome. You yeah. spoke of the kids. Um, you know, when the kids are out of school, it's summertime, and when they go back to school, and they're you know, it's all about the kids. Summertime. Oh isn't yeah, it? yeah, it is. Yeah. It's great. We uh, we I mean, we get couples and things like that that come out on the boat, but uh, you know, really when when Captain Evil finds a couple all by themselves. She's like, do you understand this is a really immature cruise? <laughs> Diver Ed talks a lot immature? about boats. <laughs> well, and they're, they're usually like, yeah, we're, we're kids at heart. Bring it on. We're but, talking about nature, man. Yeah, right. Sometimes we have to give people their money back. We're like, uh, 
you know, not very often, but every now and then somebody ends up coming up with us without even realizing what they're up against. Uh, so no, I hear, uh, again, pretty good reviews on, on uh, people I've sent out there. And, and again, uh, you have very generously offered, um, you know, the Starfish Enterprise to take out this, this uh, dead zone cruise. This mission. Yes, this mission. Yes. Um, and I, the first thing that, that uh, I thought about was, uh-oh, uh, you know, how's the Sea Princess going to feel about this? Um, you know, uh, the Sea Princess is another tour boat out of Northeast Harbor. Ed is usually out of Bar Harbor. Now, um, you know, we're going to bring the boat around Northeast Harbor for this trip and uh, go out of there, but we're going to be right in front of the Sea Princess. And, and do we, like, have a, a cloak of invisibility? We have, like, a... Uh, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? A cloaking device. That, that, That's right. Because we're going to be doing this. We're going to be seeing another boat right in front of our friends, the Sea Princess. And this is, uh, you know, fr- all friends, but, you know, just saying. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't think it'll be an issue, but. Uh, yeah. But a know, new, well, yeah. new boat for us. Anyway. It'd be one thing if we were doing it for money, but we're, we're <laughs> you know, you it's a benefit cruise. So uh, I don't, I can't imagine it's yeah. an issue. And we had you on Boat Talk previously back in the day when you were uh, uh, doing benefits and putting the putting the boat together. Yeah, right. And again, uh, you know, it comes full circle, and, and here we are, uh, uh, you know, going for a cruise on the boat. We expect it to be a wonderful Sunday afternoon uh, come no matter what weather. Um, your attitude will... I, I will, checked uh, the weather. It's going to be 65 and sunny. Yeah. And, Beautiful. And yeah. your attitude make any, any other difference anyway, and I uh, can't see any bad attitudes now. On the Sea Princess, often a uh, potluck. How are we doing this? Uh... Uh, we're going to have Cherry Garcia come along. I'm not sure if he's going to make it back, but uh, no. we're going to have a little <laughs> mid-afternoon snack. All right. I think Cherry Garcia would be appropriate for this, yeah. the dead zone. B-Y-O-C-G. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a B-Y-O, too, I'm sure. <laughs> Boat talk music in the background, courtesy of our friend Schooner Fair. I guess we've run her into the corner. Yep. Stay tuned for Rich Hill Singer coming up next here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor, and all around this great underwater world at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main wind jammers for 30 years near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net. Support for WERU also comes from Allen Insurance and Financial of Camden, helping to insure Maine boats and their people since 1866, an employee-owned company, alleninsuranceandfinancial.com or 800-439-4311.